This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Today uh, is Faith Living Church's 39th year. Susan and I came... And actually, we had a Bible study in several people's homes here in Southington for a year before we started the church. You know, so Susan and I have been here for 40 years. Church has really been in existence for 39 years. And we have been in the Apple Harvest Festival oh, most of those years, you know, with the float and people, um, you know, walking along with the float and, you know, singing and just the presence of God shows up. And so many people over the years have come. And said, hey, you know how I started coming to the church? I said, how? I said, I saw y'all in the parade, you know. And they heard the music and saw the people and shook some hands, you know, and all. And it really changed them. Now, you know, we have, uh, as a church, we have uh, our core values. Are you familiar with a milking stool? A stool that people would sit on to milk their calf? And it was usually had three legs on it. That was just the way the milking stools were. And so our core values are three. The things that we value is relationships, transformation, and relevance. That's our three core values, and they're woven into our mission. And our mission is threefold as well, but making fully devoted followers of Christ. You know, making fully devoted followers of Christ. That's our mission, building vibrant relationships. And number three, communicating God's message in relevant ways. And these are the things that we're all about, have been about, but you think about how simple that is, relationships. It's our relationship with God, loving God, and in loving people. And we understand that fulfills the great command, and if you only do those great commands, all the other commands are automatically taken care of. When you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then you love your neighbor as yourself, you know, and, and, and that's the relationships we're talking about. Our core values is relationships, you know, building vibrant relationships with God and with other people. And when you think about that, the transformation that happens, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he transforms you. But then the Bible says, as we behold him in his word, as we read and study his word, it says daily we are transformed we're changed from glory to glory you know and then the whole thing about the you know communicating God's message in relevant ways that's relevance here on the bottom there that's like sharing the gospel with a float in a parade or sharing the gospel uh, with a uh, you know Christmas in the village and roasting 500 pounds of chestnuts and giving them to everybody or or vacation Bible adventure the harvest parties or the VBA you know, picnic and adventure race and all the other crazy things we do, it's because we are communicating God's message in relevant ways. Sometimes it means you bring a brown paper bag to church. Sometimes it means bringing three, you know. But you, you, you share the gospel. That's what we've been trying to do in relevant ways. Relevance means that you can take that message home with you and apply it to your life. It affects you and your family and your work and your health and your finance. It affects everything you do. It's relevant. 
It's not something that's archaic that don't relate to us today. So we've been here for 39 years. The Bible study started a year before that. So really 40 uh, years. And many people have come to know Jesus as their Savior. And we've had a Bible school for a few years in the midst of that. And we've sent out people who are pastoring churches today and who are assistants and worship leaders and music directors and all around the country who came from here originally. And so, who knows? We probably got at least another good 39 years to go. Don't you think, dear? You know? And I'm just talking about Susan to me, you know, and you. You know, there'll be new people, and we're praying and seeking God and working, and we believe that we'll be able in the next year or two to double and triple our size. And God's given us some wisdom and some insight to make an eternal difference in the lives of people in our community. We saw the picture that was going along with the Jesus friend of sinners. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. For what purpose? To reach people, you know? That's what it was all about. And let me just read you a passage there. It's in Luke chapter 19.10. It says, For the Son of Man, that's talking about Jesus, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And the Bible says we're all lost. We've all sinned and fallen short. And therefore, we need a Savior. And Jesus comes, and we believe in him. He forgives us of our sins. He changes our lives forever. He genuinely does. So I'd like us to uh, look what we're talking about this morning, since we've been talking about probably three weeks or so already, about being occupied. Occupied with God. His, his word occupies our heart. His Holy Spirit occupies us. And, uh, and then we're able to go horizontal. You know what I'm talking about? Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Loving our neighbor. See, we're full of him to fulfill the mission he's given us to do, and that's to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And, uh, you know, yourself, when, when you get hungry, you get self something to eat, you know, and when we love our neighbors that way, well, then we'll help them in their times of need, if they need something to eat and, and so forth and so on. Um, let me uh, look here at the book of John. John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. And Jesus did that, did he not? He laid down his life. He gave his life for you and me. And says there's no greater love than that. That's an unselfish, that is a pure, that's an agape love. There's no love greater than to lay down one's life for one's friend. To love horizontal. To love those that are around about us. To love our neighbors as we love ourselves. To put our life on the line for our friends, you know? Why was Jesus willing to make such a sacrifice? Because he believed that you were worth it. You're worth it. For him to make the sacrifice and give his life to forgive you, because that's the only way we can be forgiven. It's the only way we could ever get to heaven is by someone making such a sacrifice for you and for me. And the truth of it is, when he did that, as we love him and we love our neighbors ourselves, we need to understand that everybody was worth that sacrifice to him. You know, 
I'd like you to help me to communicate that this morning. If you'd turn to your neighbor and say, you were worth it. Can you do that? You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. Genuinely, you are. Jesus laid his life down for us because we were worth it to him. And are our neighbors worth it for us to love them the way he said for us to love them? They're worth it to him. Do they deserve it? Do we deserve it? No, we don't deserve it. But we are his creation and we're worth it to him. That's for sure. Listen to what it says here in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now see, you remember Judas kissed Jesus? He led the Roman army there and he kissed Jesus. Hey, you betray the son of God with a kiss? So a kiss can be misleading, can it not? It can be deceptive. But it says here in Proverbs 27, wounds from a sincere friend are better. You ever heard the term, I'm sure you have, where it says, friends don't let friends drive drunk. You take their keys away. They get upset and they get mad at you, but you don't want them to hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. That's a wound of a friend. Now let's tweak that for a moment. Friends don't let friends die without knowing Jesus. There is a real heaven and there is a real hell and there is only one way to get to heaven and it is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not based upon weighing our good works versus our bad works. It has nothing to do with it. Not at all. So we need to grasp the reality of that, you know. When you think about it, the person who is your true friend is the one who nudges you closer to God. You ever have someone nudging you? And some people get upset with people. Hey, you stop preaching to me. I wasn't preaching. I was just telling you what he did for me. Some people get upset because they're convicted and all. But you love people too much to allow them to die without knowing at least about Jesus. They got to make a choice whether they accept him or reject him. But it's so important that in our life we nudge people. That's a true friend. We nudge them closer and closer to Jesus. God's kingdom, it advances when believers are so excited, you know, and they tell others about what Jesus has done for you. Just so excited about it. You ever get excited about stuff? Yeah. I really get excited sometimes, you know. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you can get excited at a piece of, about a piece of pigskin being thrown around on a football field, you know, we can surely get excited about our sins being forgiven. And a God who loved us and gave himself for us, we can surely get excited about that. We really can. Listen to what it says in the book of John, John chapter 1, verse 35. And it says here, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. Disciple was a follower of Christ, a devoted student. <clears throat> and he goes on to say, <clears throat> as Jesus walked by, John looked at him, Jesus, and he declared, 
to his disciples, look, there is the Lamb of God. John points those who are closest to him to Jesus, you know. His own disciples, he's pointing out Jesus. That's the one we really ought to be following, you know. And in verse 30, uh, verse 37 says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. They became his disciple. They're willing to forsake everything to follow him. Verse 38 says, Jesus looked around and he saw them following him. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? Hey guys, what do you want? He asked them and they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, Rabbi, where are you going? They wanted to get to know him. Where are you going? You know, that's what he, what he says there. Rabbi, where are, you, where are you staying? And then Jesus' response was a great invitation. Come and see. Come on. Then we'll get a bite of lunch together. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock. We'll get dinner. Four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. And I'm going to tell you something. When you spend time with Jesus, you will never be the same again. It's awesome. It's transforming. Here's a powerful passage. I like this. In Acts 4.13, it says, The members of the council, you know, the religious council, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they could see that they were ordinary men. Just, just ordinary. With no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And that's what made the change. And if I can tell you honest to goodnessly, if you really knew me, really who I am, you'd go, he ain't nothing special. He's just ordinary. You know, ordinary. But Susan and I, when we came, we spent time with Jesus. And that changes things. Ordinary people can do extraordinary things because Jesus is there working with the weak and the foolish things of this world. Picking back up at James, uh, John chapter 1, picking up at verse 40, what's that first word? Andrew, remember that name. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who had heard what John said and then he followed him. That's Andrew. Okay? And then verse 41, what's the first word there? Andrew went to find his brother Simon because he loved him. He went horizontal because he, he met Jesus and now he's going loving his brother, horizontal, I got to tell him this good news. It's kind of hard sometimes to keep the good news to yourself. You know what I'm saying? It says, Andrew went to find his brother and he told him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ, which means the anointed one. He couldn't just keep all this good news to himself. John chapter six, verse seven says, Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Jesus had been preaching to 5,000 men. If you read the whole passage, 
plus the women and plus their children. Could have been up to 15,000 people there. And when they're coming toward the conclusion of their their day and their lesson, Jesus wanted to send them home before it got dark, but he wanted to feed them. And this is Philip's reply. Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. And then, what's that guy's name? Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Hey, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Well, what good is this amongst so many people? But, but here's five loaves and two fish. I mean, he's still more positive than anybody else, you know. Here's five loaves and, and two fish. And, you know, maybe if the kid was saying, well, at least Jesus can eat them. But Jesus accepted that five loaves of bread and two fish. And he blessed it. He said, thank you, Father, for these gifts. And he broke it. And he began to hand it to the disciples. And he had all the thousands of people sit down in groups of 50. And they begin to feed every one of them and everybody, every man, every woman, every boy and girl ate until they were full. And then the disciples picked up the leftovers. Anybody remember how much leftovers there was? Twelve baskets full of leftovers. That was more than what they started with. That was miraculous because Jesus, he specializes in the miraculous. Verse 42 says, then Andrew, he brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew led his brother to Jesus. You know, Andrew, you know, he was focused on loving horizontal, about going horizontal and telling his brother and telling the, the crowds and telling whoever he came across, telling them about Jesus and what Jesus could do. And Jesus makes transformation. You and I can't change everybody, but Jesus can, you know. Our job is just to introduce them to Jesus. And we'll see it several times. We already have, you know, hey, come and see. We'll see that over and over again. Think about it. We cannot make unfaithful spouses stop cheating, but Jesus can. We cannot make alcoholics stop drinking. And drug addicts stop using. But Jesus can. He can do that which we can't do. All we got to do is say, come see. Bring them to Jesus. And Jesus reveals himself to them, you know. Our job is just to help people see Jesus, you know. Jesus sees beyond who we are, to be honest with you. He sees who we can be. He sees what our potential is. Is In the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And then Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to who? Everyone deserves to hear the good news that Jesus died. He took a horrible beating, died on the cross, went to hell for three days, and rose from the dead. He died so you can be forgiven and so you can go to heaven. Because not one of us is good enough to get there. It's the sacrifice that Jesus made. Jesus took the bullet for us. He, he pushed us out of the, the road and the car hit him. He, he made the sacrifice for you and for me. That's just the truth of it, you know? Hmm. Mark 16, 15, he told him, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. 
how ironic it is that most Christians have never led anyone to Jesus. And every one of us could lead someone to Christ before the day is over. Every one of us could if we wanted to. If we were excited about that. So many Christians have never even spoke to a non-believer about their faith in Christ. Uh, let me see here. Not that one. Behind door number three. <clears throat> That's the right one. A guy by the name of Russell Brownworth, he said, our two children, ages seven and nine, seem to attract every child in our neighborhood for after-school games of hide-and-seek. Our youngest, Carrie, was not quite three years old yet, but in the minds of her older siblings, she was always in the way. Ten minutes into the game, our little one would get pushed aside or skin a knee. And one afternoon, Carrie, she came through the front door again in tears. And my wife, Elizabeth, tried to comfort her by giving her two freshly baked cookies. Now, don't tell the big kids yet, she cautioned. I haven't got enough for everybody yet. She was baking cookies. She would eventually. But it took less than three seconds for Carrie to make it to the screen door and fling it wide open and announce to the big kids, cookies, I got cookies. You think about it. Great news should be shared with enthusiasm, should it not? Cookies! I got cookies! Hmm. 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 Oh, I could have given you that one. I'm sorry. Hmm. Hmm. Did y'all have any cookies or donuts? We've got cookies and, and, and we've got donuts. For you guys. You're dismissed. Mmm. <laughs> that's my breakfast and lunch. <laughs> Have you ever gotten excited about eating something? Do you think it's possible to be as excited about Jesus as we are about cookies? And if a little three-year-old girl can go out there, cookies, I got cookies. With that enthusiasm, it's an inspiration. It's a teaching tool to us that we can be as excited about what Jesus has done for us. Let me pick up here in Mark chapter 16, verse 16. It says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. The miraculous, these miraculous signs will accompany pastors. <clears throat> oh, it didn't say pastors? Oh. No, it says these miraculous signs will accompany those who, what? Believe. believe. It's just a believer. These signs will accompany those who, believe. they cast out demons. There are demons in this world today. 
And you see the horrible darkness that they create. And a believer has a power and authority over that. And Jesus said, they'll cast them out in my name, in the name of Jesus. And they'll speak in new languages. And they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. I'm talking about like if you're building a fire and you accidentally got bit. He wasn't talking about playing with them. But he said, they'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, somebody tries to poison you, it won't hurt them. They will be able, and you go, oh, I don't believe that. Well, then you're going to die when you get bit by that snake, okay? <laughs> he said, this, these signs follow believers. And he says, and they will be able to place their hands on sick, on the sick, and they will be healed. He's talking about when people begin to love horizontal. Think about this for just a moment. If, if there's someone sick and you come up, wrap your arm around them, and you pray for God to heal and restore and make them feel better and all, what's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing. But let me ask you, do you think it's going to encourage that person that you cared enough to pray for them? Yes. Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus didn't say you got to make it happen. He said, these signs shall follow believers. Well, the thing is, well, we probably don't do it because we don't believe he'll do it. Think about that for a moment. And he says here, <clears throat> if I can find where I'm at here. Okay. He says, and they'll be able to place their hands on the sick, as verse 18 of Matthew, Mark 16, and they will be healed. And when the Lord had finished talking with them, this was the last thing Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. He was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere. The disciples said, he said, go into all the earth and share this good news. Preach the gospel to everyone. And it says when Jesus, uh, they had finished this, he was taken up into heaven. He sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went Everywhere they went, they, they went loving horizontal. They went everywhere. They were already loving God with all, but now they're loving their neighbors, whoever their neighbor. They were loving them. They went everywhere, and they preached. They, they shared this good news that Jesus told them to share, and the Lord worked through them. He worked with them. He worked in them, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said. He's the one who confirmed it. He said, you can lay hands on the sick. Okay, you say, I'll do it. Lord, please bless and heal this person in Jesus' name. And then you go on about your business. And it says, and he was confirming what they said. He confirmed the good news by many miraculous signs. Let me just ask again. And please, if you're not sure, don't raise your hand. But if you are sure you have received a miracle in your life, I want you to just raise your hand. Look at there. I'm telling you, the God who we serve, he answers prayer. He still works miracles. And he works miracles often through the men and women who just believe him and do what he says to do. And not make a spectacular out of themselves, but they just in love with Jesus so much. You know what I'm saying? John chapter 12, verse uh, 20, it says, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration, paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they had some questions. And they said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. What a wonderful thing that is. And so you're trying to tell people, they're coming to you, hey, we want to know more about Jesus. 
And Philip told Andrew. Well, Philip could have done it, but Philip told Andrew about it. Andrew got this thing going, and they went together to ask Jesus. So Andrew, again, hey, these guys got questions. Oh, Jesus, to talk to you guys. Come on, let's go. And they went and they sat down and they had a talk, had a little powwow with Jesus to find out what was all going on. Now, you go through and you see Andrew. He had a heart for people. Genuinely did. We, we need more Andrews in this world. We really do. You know, people who are committed to bringing others to Jesus. We need old Andrews and we need some young Andrews and we need teenage Andrews and we need mom and dad Andrews and grandmom and granddad Andrews and we need church leader Andrews, you know, people who are committed to bringing others to Jesus. Jesus does the miracles. Jesus does the transformation. He's the one who does the work. We just got to say, hey, come and see. Come and see. Uh, you know, let's just worship together. Let's just hear some lessons about Jesus. And let's pray a little bit and see what Jesus would do for you. I can tell you what he did for me. Wonderful, fantastic. John chapter 1, verse 42, it says, Then, what's that guy's name? Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Come follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for his brother, Nathaniel, and he told him, we have found the very first and Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Just like people down in the south. You know what they call Yankees. They add another word to Yankee up here. Are you all familiar with that? I'm not going to tell you. It's the same thing the Beavers built, you know. Anyhow, that's what they say lots of times, those those redneck people, you know. I was one of them once upon a time. It's like, can anything come, anything good come out of New England? That was the mentality that Nathaniel was saying about Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, you know? Uh, Maybe he was a little bit prejudiced there, you see. But Philip didn't give up just because he didn't have all the answers. Listen to what Philip said. He didn't argue or defeat. He just said, Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Come and see. That is a good method of evangelism, isn't it? If you're reaching out to somebody, say, hey, why don't you go to church? Come and see. Listen to the singing, you know. Well, I don't have anything to wear. I said, sure you do. This is what blows a lot of people's mind to go, the preacher don't even wear a suit, you know. <laughs> Thank the Lord I was delivered, you know, from that. It's okay to wear them occasionally, you know. But the thing is, come and see for yourself. It's really all about getting to know Jesus. It's not all about showing off what you got. It's about, you know, getting to know Jesus, hearing his word that builds our faith. It's worshiping him. He inhabits our praises, you see. Experiences for yourself. And that's what Philip said. Come and see for yourself. Philip replied to him, you know. You know, you, you think about right this moment, as we're talking about this, Who's God putting on your mind? Who is he putting on your mind who who doesn't know Jesus yet? And he's the only way to get to heaven. 
There is not another way. Who is God putting on your mind who you can begin to love them on a horizontal level, you know, and praying for them and loving them and nudging them closer and closer and closer to Jesus, you know? John did that with his disciples and Andrew did it with his brother Peter and Philip did it with his brother Nathaniel. Who can you nudge closer and closer to Jesus, you know? Now, don't misunderstand me. You know, a church is good. The church is good, you know? It really is. VBA is good. The apple harvest parade, the float and all that, it's good. Feeding hungry children in Ethiopia as we do is good. But if we fail to point them to Jesus while we're doing all those things, we fail big time. Going to church don't get you to heaven. Feeding the hungry don't get you to heaven. And all those other things, but it's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, having an experience with him, that's what gets us into heaven. There was a little boy who was attending Sunday school for the very first time in his life, and his mom said, hey, what's your teacher's name, you know? And he said, I don't know what her name is, but she must be Jesus' grandmother because that's all she talks about is Jesus this <laughs> and Jesus that. Well, it'd be awesome if we were con- you know, convicted of the same thing, always talking about what Jesus did for you and Jesus did that and he does this and he loves this and he loves that, you know? Cookies. I got Cookies. Forgiveness, I got forgiveness. Love, I got God's love. Can we be excited about the forgiveness of God? And he makes us new creatures in Christ Jesus. The old things have passed away, all things have become new. Can we get as excited about what God's done for us as we could freshly bake cookies? Think about that. He says here in Psalm 66, verse 5, what's those first three words? Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people, people like you. Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for people. He made a dry path through the Red Sea. Uh, Just so you understand that, This is a dry path. And that went right through the sea. Whoops. That's an electrical socket down under that thing. Well, be careful. All right. But this was what the path was like right down through the sea. It was dry sand. And a few moments before that, there was water there. I'm talking about a miracle took place. God does miracles that are relevant to us that we need him to do. That's the kind of miraculous stuff he does for us. You know, it says, come and see. Verse six says, he made a dry path through the Red Sea and his people went across on foot. There we rejoice in him. He is amazing and he is crazy about you. Jesus loves you like nobody loves you. Unbelievable how much he loves you. He really does, and he will reveal himself to you when you get to him. He really will. It says here in John chapter 4, verse 28, 
the woman left her water jar, just so y'all can grasp what this looks like. I should have a lady come and show us how the women carried these things, you know, on their head. I'm not going to do that, though. You know, boy, it would be heavier if it had some water in it. Whoops. It does have a little bit in there. Oh, that's electrical socket there, too. Ooh, I better just stay put right here. But it says the woman left her water jar beside the well. You know, she was there talking to Jesus, and and Jesus knew the good, the bad, and the ugly about her. He knew everything. It says the woman, she left her water jar because Jesus was talking about good stuff to her, about forgiveness and being a new creature and all this. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, you know, cookies, I got cookies, forgiveness, I got forgiveness, Messiah, I got the Messiah. You know, the one who's coming to bring salvation and deliverance to his people. Verse 29 says, come and see. A man who told me everything I ever did, and yet he loves me and he forgives me. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And she wasn't no theologian. She wasn't no preacher, no pastor, no anything. But she had a relationship with Jesus, and she said, come and see for yourself. And they went out there. If you'll continue reading that scripture, they say, we don't believe this because she told us. We believe it because we've experienced it ourselves now when they came and they met Jesus. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 9, what a powerful passage. And see where you fit in here. It says, for you, you are a chosen people. You are. God chose you. He really has. For you're a chosen people. You are royal priests. You're a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. You can show them, you know, cookies, I got cookies. Forgiveness, I got forgiveness. I got answers to my prayers. You can show other people the goodness of God as we begin to love horizontal, loving our neighbors, we love ourselves. For he called you out of darkness into wonderful light. He has called you and me out of the darkness into wonderful light, and we can show the goodness of God to others. We can just let people know what he's done for us, and he'll do the same kinds of stuff for you. John chapter 1, verse 47, it says, As they approached Jesus, as they approached Jesus, said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel. And he's talking about Nathaniel, Philip's brother. Here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus knew him. How, how do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Now, who knows? He was under that fig tree saying, oh, God, if you're really real there, would you reveal yourself to me? Or something. Whatever he was praying and doing, Jesus said, I saw you there. And Nathaniel, oh, Jesus had revealed himself to Nathaniel, showed that he knew everything about him. And then Nathaniel, verse 49, then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. He believed something happened there. 
that only Nathaniel knew about. Other than Jesus, verse 50, Jesus asked him, do you leave this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And I'm going to tell you something. See, Philip brought him to Jesus, but Jesus made himself real. And as you and I bring people to Jesus, to an environment such as a church, where they can encounter the words of Jesus and see the Jesus who lives in other people, Jesus will do the revealing himself to other people. Do you know what I'm saying? He'll make himself real to other people. That's not your or my job to do. We can't do that part. And anyhow, he said, you will see greater things than this. Verse 51, and then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is, what's that say? The stairway between heaven and earth. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus is the stairway to heaven? Now, have you ever heard a song about stairway to heaven? I don't think that's what it's talking about. (laughs) But I do believe that Jesus is the stairway to heaven. It tells us here in John 14, verse 6, listen to what he says. Jesus told him, he said, I am the way, I'm the stairway. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father in heaven except through me. And Jesus is the stairway to heaven. If doing good works won't get you to heaven. Giving a million dollars to the orphanage won't get you to heaven. All those things that you can do won't get you there. It's accepting Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, as our King. His faith in Him is the only thing that will get us to heaven. That's what the Bible tells us, you know. There is no hope in eternal life without Jesus, who is the stairway to heaven. Jesus alone can bring about a transformation. Jesus alone can forgive you of your sins. It's our sin that keeps us out of heaven, you see. You know, so we, we, we want to tell other people about the stairway to heaven, about how God forgives us and all. Now, let me tell you something real quickly here about the three, I call them the three I am's of Paul. And in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, I am what? Debtor. That means I owe something. I'm I'm in debt here. I got obligations. He says, I am a debtor. Both to the Greeks, that's the civilized people, and to the barbarians, that's the rest of the uncivilized world. He said, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise, that's the educated, and to the unwise, the uneducated. So I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. <clears throat> so as much as is in me is, I am what? I'm ready. I'm a debtor and I'm ready to preach the gospel, which means good news to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed. I'm a debtor. I am ready and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. And he says, let me tell you, this is how you share your testimony. This is what my life was like before I met Jesus. You know, and I'm in debt to tell everybody. You and I are are all in debt. You know, you don't pay the preacher to go evangelize and tell people about Jesus. We all do it together. He said, I'm a debtor, you know. Now tell people 
what my life was like before. I tell them how I met Jesus, and I tell what my life has been like since then. Not perfect, but a lot better since I met Jesus, you see. And that's how we share a testimony, to be honest with you. Edward Kimball, a shoe store assistant and a Sunday school teacher in Chicago, spent hours of his free time visiting the young street urchins in Chicago's inner city, trying to win them for Christ. Through him, a young boy named D.L. Moody, phenomenal preacher of years gone by. D.L. Moody got saved in 1858. Moody grew up to be a preacher. And in 1879, D.L. Moody won F.B. Meyer, a tremendous man of God. He, he won F.B. Meyer to the Lord. Meyer became a preacher and won J.W. Chapman to Christ. Chapman became a preacher and brought the message of Christ to a baseball player named Billy Sunday. Look all these guys up that we're talking about and see their lives, how they impacted the world. Billy Sunday held a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm very familiar with that. I used to live right there, you know, which was so successful of a revival that an evangelist, Mordecai Ham, was invited to, to come to Charlotte to preach. Under Ham's preaching, a teenager named Billy Graham gave his life to Jesus. It all started by winning one child to Jesus. I come and see. And then Jesus reveals himself to you. And then you, you tell someone, hey, you come and see. And Jesus reveals himself to someone else. And there's this chain reaction of the good news getting shared all over the world in which we live. One more passage. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. He has given us power. The devil tries to convince us, oh, we're afraid, we're telling, I don't want to talk about Jesus, people might hurt me. What are they going to do? Laugh at you? Or say, hey, don't preach at me? But the majority will say, thank you for telling me about this hope that you have. He says here, God's not giving us a spirit of fear and timidity for the power of love and self-discipline. Verse 8 says, so never... So never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And then later in that verse, it says, be ready to suffer with him for the sake of the good news. And then he says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way, that stairway to life and immortality through the good news. Hmm. Wow. What does it tell us in John three sixteen? For God, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. We saw the crucifixion in the beginning. He gave his one and only son and everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. He came to forgive because he loves us. He's crazy about us. And as we receive this forgiveness and this pardon, we need to be like that little girl. Cookies! I got cookies.
Forgiveness. I got forgiveness. Jesus. I got Jesus. Relationship with Jesus. I'm forgiven. I've got joy. I got hope. And we need to be enthusiastic about telling what we got. The Bible says, taste and see. I, I should be biblical. <laughs> taste and see. The Lord is good. We saw the peanut butter cookies. Well, we're going to have to be getting down the road for this parade. So I want us to pray together. If you bow your heads with me. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus. And thank you for your goodness that you have demonstrated to us in such wonderful ways. We thank you for the hope that you give us and for giving us your word and that it builds faith and it changes and transforms us. And Father, help us to share this good news with people you bring across our path. As our heads are still bowed, I'd like you to reaffirm your faith in Christ. Maybe you're here or you're watching online today and maybe you've never declared your faith, but I want you to receive Jesus, the stairway to heaven with us right now. Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he died in my place and paid for all of my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door and I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name. Give me your power that I can represent you well. Amen. 